Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of scaremonies, Matt. Uh, we're sorry for the delays. Uh, we've had some bullshit happening. <laughs> yeah, we've ha- we've been having some technical issues on our end and our host site's end, but we're hoping to get that all figured out very soon because we've been working on it for two weeks now yeah yeah I think, I think that sounds about right well since the beginning of the new year because uh, we we got together yeah. and recorded some pretty some pretty killer con i mean after the fact if you're listening chronologically yeah weren't those episodes yeah. great <laughs> they were uh so in the future yes you'll hear it and, and they'll be great so um yes but for this time i'm kind of glad that we're in between uh series right now we're kind of in between um, getting ready to go on other things, so we decided to kind of backtrack a little bit and cover some of the things that we saw towards the end of the year, uh, or at least that mm-hmm. we had talked about coming out in the last year, because, like, can we talk about how great last year was? Oh my god, it was it was a great year for horror. Um, like, honestly, probably one of the best years since, like, the 80s. Oh yeah, horror. it came out of COVID Especially screaming, of, like, man. Oh, yeah. Everybody was ready to, like, just put some shit out there and go buck wild with it. Man, there's, like, the fact that there's um, a a sequel to this movie that, like, a lot of people only just kind of vaguely remember and kind of shudder at already. Like, we covered Orphan already, er, like, earlier last Mm -hmm. year. Um, And to revisit it during this, and didn't this come out in, like, January or something, right? Or it came out, like, middle of last year? This... This came out in August of last year. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Um, but, but yeah, it was the middle of the year. It dropped on like Paramount Plus with a limited theatrical release. That's right. It kind of it was it's and it under still the radar. made money. Yeah, <laughs> it still made forty four million dollars at the box office off of a ten million dollar budget. And what what did you think? You just watched it today. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I really like What's it. What's the consensus? Um, it's it's very different from Orphan. Yeah. The original. <laughs> which I think is important. I'm glad it was. In creating a new um, a new sequel, or in this case, a prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think it's so important to have something new that you're bringing to it, especially after 12, 13 years of having to wait for this sequel to come out and not knowing it was going to happen for so long. Right, like, I don't remember if there was ever, like, a push to to make it. Like, did you ever hear anything about that? I never knew this was, like, a possibility until it got announced in, um, like, right around the pandemic. Because that's the first time I had heard that they even thought about doing another movie with the orphan character. Yeah. Um... Which I have to give a special shout out to Isabel Furman for coming back and playing the same character she played 13 years ago, who's supposed to look the exact same as she did 13 years ago. Man, I think she did such a great job. <laughs> I think that that was she, worth yeah. it already. She is so good, and she you know she knows this character so well. Right. Because uh, she helped work on the script. She helped write this one. Um, cause she actually, so here's a little bit of backstory into how Orphan First Kill came to be. Um, so in 2014, there was an Indiana couple 
that were charged with child abandonment of their nine-year-old foster child with dwarfism two years earlier by claiming her to secretly be an adult and by changing her legal age to 22. The case got widespread media attention in 2019 when the couple confirmed that they had been inspired to abandon their foster child after watching the original Orphan. Okay, but on the flip side of that, there's also uh, also a real story about a grifter from Russia, or at least it was Eastern Europe, and mm-hmm. this was a real story where she came in under the guise of a child and, uh, I believe, um, was trying to just steal from the family. I mean, there was not the mm-hmm. uh, intensity of the orphan story, but it still was a real thing that happened, and it happened before orphan. Um, and then mm-hmm. subsequently happened again after the fact. I think it happened more than once. Well, yeah, I think it's so wild that, like, the first one was was inspired because something actually happened, and then this one was inspired because someone was inspired off of their movie. Right. <laughs> which is, like, kind of upsetting. But um, Isabel Furman found out about this whole thing, and that's when she got in contact with the writer of the original and found out that he had already written a prequel. Um, and so uh, she helped like produce it and get it uh, further along in development, helped uh, rework the script a little bit, and only planned to be a cameo in the movie with a new actress playing the role of um, Esther. That would have been very but... interesting if they had done that. It would have been wild, but I think it would have been a very different movie. Right. It's almost uh, like, in a way, you almost can't do it without her. And then you, it's just, from mm-hmm. there, it's, how do you make her younger? And we, I, I don't know. I think it was great. Like, they, they really did make her look as young as she did in the original one. Like, we were just talking about it before. Yeah. Like, that was all practical, you were saying. Yeah, so they used a lot of makeup and forced perspective shots. Um, They didn't use any CGI. They did have a couple child actors to uh, serve as body doubles when it wasn't facing her. Yeah. Um, And they also apparently, um, some of the other actors had to wear, like, lifts in their shoes to appear taller than she was um, during filming, which is always fun. It did feel... Because they do that shit in all kinds of movies. Robert Downey Jr. had to do that anytime he was in a scene with Gwyneth Paltrow in the Iron Man movies. <laughs> I mean, it, in this case, it almost kind of looked like uh, Lord of the Rings. Like, it looked like forced perspective yeah. with them trying to make the hobbits look so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, original Lord of the Rings, not the hobbit when they green-screened it all in. No, man, that's it's a shame. So, okay, what else did you find out about, like, the production of this movie? Because I know you did some work on that. Because I, I remember when I went into this, I didn't do any more of the backstory because I kind of was like, I, I wanted to feel like we covered it in Orphan, but I feel like this journey of this getting made warrants its own story, so I'm glad that you got it. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot else to it. These are the big things, um, is that Isabel Furman was such a big supporter of making this movie. Because um, originally this movie was going to be titled Esther. That was its working title when it was in development. Mm. Uh, I'm kind of glad they switched it because Orphan First Kill at least still has the name recognition of the original. It does. Esther could fall by the wayside. Well, I feel like for a while, like when I was growing up, when I was hearing about Orphan, I was hearing it alternatively known as that. 
So I feel like it almost in a way could have been like how like there's like a collector in the collection and no one's like sh- almost sure like which one's which. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also have uh, this isn't really getting ahead of ourselves because this is a prequel. Um, so there isn't any spoilers here. <laughs> yeah. But um, there is talks about making another movie in the franchise to make it be a- officially considered a franchise because apparently you need three movies yep, for that. That is true. Um, and so the writer and director was like, we want to do another, th- a new third darker installment that would complete the story of Esther and still star Isabel Furman. Um, I wonder where it would take place. I have no idea, but I'm so intrigued. And I do appreciate that um, Isabel Furman herself confirmed that they were working on discussions for a third film. And she joked that it wouldn't take 13 years this time around before the next sequel. Yeah, because I don't think it would have worked at that time. Yeah, obviously they wouldn't wait. (laughs) They would ride the high for this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially because th- this one, I'll be the first to say it, takes it in a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So, <laughs> th- yeah, this one has a very different, like, overall vibe to it. Because unlike in the first one, it's not a mystery about Esther. Like, we know Esther's deal. But we don't know other things. The mystery things. is about everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that there's a uh there's a twist like obviously it's an expected uh twist where mm-hmm. you know you're going into it you already know that she's a adult um and you yeah. see her escaping from the mental institution but then to have the movie still surprise you i think was mm-hmm. really i don't know I wasn't expecting it, and it really grabbed me. Like, there was a moment, like, towards the middle, like, when the twist happens, that I'm like, my opinion mm-hmm. of this movie completely shifted after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really changed yeah, it, the whole game. <laughs> I think I think when we're going through the story, because I kept notes while I was watching the movie. That's what I, I did. It, uh, I watched it at home. I picked it up, uh, picked up the DVD uh, a week or two ago. And I was just taking notes on my phone, and I think there's going to be a very uh, abrupt shift in how I took my notes <laughs> when this <laughs> twist happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you want to get into it then? Because that's where the bulk of more my notes are. Yeah, we can do that, and we'll cover actors as we meet their characters. Right, because that's kind of how I looked at it also. Uh yeah. <laughs> So this time, I mean, we already know where it starts. She's in a mental institution because uh, she's emotionally disturbed and actually has already killed somebody. So not really orphaned first kill, uh, but she's already killed somebody yeah. <laughs> to get like yeah. the whole family already. That's like, my she first note. <laughs> my first note is, so orphan first kill doesn't actually have Lena's first kill on screen. Interesting. <laughs> No, but it has it like but in pictures. I kind of appreciate that it sets the it sets the tone for like where she is at without us having to start from the get go again. I also think there's it something has a little bit of development. You're right. I also think there's something to having it be a gradual thing because we learned that she used to use her gift. Like basically, she was an outcast because of her condition, so she begins mm-hmm. life that way. 
she does what she has to to survive, and she uses her, uh, you know, agelessness to her advantage because she's doing what mm-hmm. she can. And obviously that kind of corrupts somebody emotionally when they're growing up. So, yeah. you know, you have, like, a traumatized, like, beast person in a in a little girl's body uh, who knows how to use her gifts to survive. So she, it's that progresses until some say one day she accidentally kills somebody in just a fit of rage Mm -hmm. and now she's here so it's like she's still on this razor's edge between being lost and just needing help uh and this Mm -hmm. is kind of nice because it gets you to root for esther in this movie because spoilers she's not really the bad guy (laughs) yeah i this is whole other side to this movie Yeah, this this whole movie, like, you watch the first one and you're actively not rooting for Esther because, you know, she's the antagonist, essentially. In this one, it jumps it on its head and you are suddenly rooting for Esther to, like, get through this whole situation. Or at least to, like... Because suddenly she's <laughs> the person in distress. Yeah, or it's like, or at least to kill these people because f- fuck them. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, we're not, I don't think we're going to have a spoiler warning for it because most of my notes are because I watched this movie twice. So I watched it mm-hmm. retrospectively and I will say that like any good twist, it fucking holds up when you rewatch it a second time. Um, good. So we'll get into it just as we meet him, I guess. But at least for the, for the beginning of the movie, uh, Lena, as she's still known at the time, has been locked up in the Sarn mm-hmm. Institute for, like, the criminally insane. Um, mm-hmm. I hesitate to believe that the Sarn Institute has art therapy. Um, I'm glad that they do. <laughs> um, it's 2007. They just had to excu- you know, but... They had to give an excuse for Esther to... Er- <laughs> Lena at this point to have good art skills because she couldn't have just picked that up in the 30 years she's been alive I mean she could have but yes we meet this new art therapist named Anna isn't she just starting her gig isn't she the uh, podcaster from Halloween 2018 because um, she at least no. bears a striking resemblance, but I mean, she looks a lot like her. But right. This looks like, I was it's like one it of her wrong. first big movies. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But yeah, she... so we love a good uh, premiere in a horror movie. Hell yeah, man! Uh, but yeah, she finds out really quickly that like this is not her her place. She does not fit in here. Well, and the way that they have, like, Lena introduced is, I think because of the benefit that Isabella Furman is older now, it does look, mm-hmm. when she's kind of just at her base level, like an adult woman in a small girl's body. Like, with wear, mm-hmm. the wear and tear of, of adulthood on her. You know, like, the losing yeah. of her teeth well, especially... and all that stuff. Well, yeah, and since it also has, this is before she, like, has her little ribbons that she uses to hide a lot of her scars. Yeah. It feels m- more like a body that has been through so much more. Uh, I also appreciate the use of, um, like, a prison breakout, and they're like, yeah, um, we don't actually need all of this stuff. It's kind of just because she's, like, this criminal mastermind, uh, mm-hmm. and she still manages to escape. Well, I love that they're like, yeah, she is actively the most dangerous person we have here. Um, which sets a tone for, uh, Lena and her very quick, quick escape. Yeah. 
Because like the psychologist from, or not the, the psychologist, the uh, podcasters from Halloween 2018, the psychologist is used in the escape uh, and mm-hmm. is then violently beaten to death with a tire iron. Yeah. Also, can we just talk about the fact for a hot second that Lena, like, trained one of the other um, yeah, patients <laughs> to murder for candy? That was pretty wild. Yeah. That's very like, haunted it's just house for of a her. piece of candy. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Like that is up. a that is a very inexpensive hit, man. I think that's a pretty dark <laughs> depiction of mental illness, but sure, I'll give it to her. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so And yeah, naturally, the first thing she does when she tastes freedom is look up all of the missing persons in the United States who fit her uh, age range. That's really gross. <laughs> Something about that rubbed yeah. the wrong way, man. And I don't understand well, why... Well, yeah, it's fucked up. I don't understand that she can't just pretend to be somebody who doesn't exist. Like, it's mm-hmm. such. I feel like it's such an extra added risk, and that puts an extra amount of tension on this movie, uh, because Esther is pretending to be somebody who has gone missing... Like, at, you know, a young enough age that she can reasonably Mm. pass for, like, being gone for, what, like, how about four years? Four years. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's how she gets the name Esther. Like, that was not her own, like, brilliance. That was actively stealing someone's name. It was just, like, horrible, like, irony. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, that's, uh, how she, unfortunately, I'm gonna say unfortunately... Um, meets these fucks. (laughs) Also, we meet these fucks, as you put it. I don't remember their uh, last name, so I had to improvise. At a fencing tournament. Their last name is Albright. Albright, you're correct. Which also is just a gross last name. Um, Oh, wow, okay. I mean, I was just gonna let it pass. (laughs) Listen, I have opinions on this family, specifically their son, Gunner, which also is a stupid name. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really funny that in that fencing scene, there's, like, American Psycho music to introduce the American Psycho-type gunner. Because he's well, yeah, just... and as he immediately <laughs> breaks a fencing saber on his first attack... Yeah, what a bastard. Like, that's not okay. No. <laughs> that's expensive. And I would... Hurts, I think? I don't know. I'm not a fencer. Oh, I guarantee it. And, and it doesn't happen, like, all that easy. Like, it takes some, like... It takes some shit to break a fencing saber because it's metal yeah like it is a sword it's like supposed to bend mm-hmm. but man the uh the fact that he fences immediately rubs me the wrong way nothing wrong with fencing uh but just something about it just says that you're rich and don't know anything about how to be normal uh again yes. no hate on fencing but like it's always used to this way in media, so, like, there should be, like, a fencing mm-hmm. union that should be like, hey, start depicting cool guy fencers. Uh, I need more cool guy fencers. I need Zoro to come back at the very least. We need more Gomez Adam fencers. Uh, you know, that's fucking right. You're you're right, Muddy. You're right, my dude. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, Gunner is played by uh, Matthew Finlan, ugh. who looks like also got his start this past year. In a handful of movies, like what? What's he got? Uh, like my fake bro, my fake boyfriend, and Brazen. Brazen. Uh, I haven't heard of these movies, but I'm glad he's working because 
as much as I hate the character, I, I like the actor. I think that's a good point. Um, I think my little soapbox that I'll get at on some point this episode, because don't worry, I'll always find one, uh, is <laughs> being a really good actor for a character that is so, like, revolting. Like, you need to be able to be like, hey, the actor is not a bad person. They're just really good at playing this bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the fact that there's, um, just like a rich white family in the early, like, 2000s, this is like 07, because it's supposed to take place before Orphan. Uh, yeah, because like, yeah. iPods are everywhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah, headphones are still like... But no nearby. iPhones. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> and speaking of the early... Yeah, we still see like flip phones hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also speaking of the early to mid two thousands, uh, Julia Stiles is the mom of the family, and she yes. is introduced also there with um, the father. Who man, I love dad, <laughs> Alan. Okay, okay, I'm just gonna say this to get ahead of it. The dad did nothing. Dad did wrong. nothing wrong. You're right. I feel terrible. For the dad in this one. Like, yep. you can say what you will about the dad in the original Orphan. Yeah, he There's some blame sucks. to go there. Yeah, he sucks. In this one, no, he is a good guy. You know what? I'm going to say Orphan is like a dad-positive horror franchise because they were like, hey, you know what? We did, a, we did a dad dirty. That's a triple D. Or at least a triple D. <laughs> Um, it's probably diners, drives, and dives. Yeah. No, well, did a dad dirty. <laughs> whatever it would be, it's gonna be. It's gonna really hurt your back if you've got him. Um, but Jesus. this time around, they took a dad, and they really had um, as horrible as Patricia is, and I'll get into her later. Trust me, you'll hate it. Um, yes. As they have a great depiction of a relationship of like a couple that has lost a child. Um, Mm -hmm. and for some reason, that's just one of those horribly gut-wrenching things that I love seeing in media, uh, in movies, Mm -hmm. okay? Not in real. Um, but the way that they handle it is very interesting. Kind of like how they handled grief in the first movie very delicately. Yes. Um, and I do want to, uh, talk about, um, Rosef Sutherland. He's who plays the dad in this movie. Um... He's also been in a couple episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. He did a uh, like ten or eleven episode stunt on ER back in the early two thousands, and in the horror world, he was in the movie Possessor from twenty twenty, which I missed, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Interesting. All right. And uh, Julia Stiles, of course, we've covered before on our Omen episode. She was in that uh, Ten Things I Hate mm-hmm. About You, Dexter. Uh, she's probably in something that everybody knows. Like, she's also one of those actors that just shows up in a lot of places, and I'm kind of excited that they got her for this movie. Uh, yeah. Because it was like, uh, they had, what, Vera Farmiga for the first one, right? Or am I mistaken? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, that's yeah, also right. a really pr- a big name, a very dynamic actress to use. And they just, like any good sequel, they did what the first one did, and they dialed it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they they do really well cast these movies. I also just want to highlight before we get to him, the detective Donovan is played by Hiro Kanagawa. Uh, he's in like mm-hmm. fucking so much stuff that I couldn't even like list 
Um, I think we yeah, covered he, him a couple of times, but like he's on like I Zombie, the Man in the High Castle. I could swear that we've covered a movie that he's been in. He's, he's in, in Smallville movie. too. Oh yeah, man. Because I, I could swear I, I could. <gasps> a what? And Which he one? was in Heroes Reborn, of uh, course. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty that <laughs> that surprisingly shows up a lot in our podcast. <laughs> Which is just haunts me to you, this it, day. It always finds a way. It haunts, well, it's it's like positives. Henry Zabrowski. Negatives. It keeps showing up on Square Horror. <laughs> uh, no, but he's great. Um, but yeah, he's another great actor who's a stupid character. Uh, whoa, <laughs> what? We'll get into him. <laughs> Excuse this me? Detect- this detective is terrible at his job. Strong accusations. Okay. <laughs> We'll get into it when he starts showing up a little bit, but oh my god, he he makes a handful of my notes. Oh, damn. Alright, uh, good, because uh, most of my uh, notes are about how, as Esther decides that she's gonna, st- or now Esther, um, decides she's gonna infiltrate mm-hmm. this family um, through a cruel twist of fate, or karma, or whatever, she picks um the american uh equivalent of house lannister from game of thrones i know you haven't watched it danny but i'm in the middle of reading these books right now and the amount of similarities between patricia albright and cersei lannister are astounding and they made me like enjoy this movie so much more because i'm like oh esther's gonna ruin this poor poor family this dad this poor man oh immediately like I don't want this man to be hurt. And then I'm, you know, obviously I rewatched it and I'm like, oh, this horrible bitch is just manipulating him because yeah. he's powerful. And so mm-hmm. when she gets a call that Esther's there, she's like, oh, okay, I got to go handle this because uh, dad clearly can't process the daughter's death and mom is doing suspiciously well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because the dad doesn't think she's dead. They've just made it so she was missing. Um. But she's yeah, also Esther's been, been missing, missing for, for four years. years. So odds aren't good. Yeah, that's not... like, he... No. <laughs> I feel so bad for this dad right off the bat, because, like, the first moment he sees Esther, he, like, starts sobbing, because he's just so happy to have his daughter back. Like, that, uh breaks my little heart, but it's, like, such... Tr- it's such real... It's such a real moment for Alan... I I mean uh, and he I gets I, a handful of real moments. He does, and I weep for Alan. I really do, uh, because he yeah. does just like, you know. Obviously, the trend of Orphan is that once Esther, st- like, even from minute one, something's off with her. She, something there's always these little hints that she's just not right. And in this case, it's not mm-hmm. that she's like weird or anything. It's that she's not actually their daughter because things just yeah. start to not add up for her. Mm-hmm. Like, the, but for Dad, the fact that she likes painting isn't a red flag. That's like an encouraging thing for him, and I'm like, oh, because yeah, <sighs> he's a painter. Right. So like, it's a little bit of extra bonding that he can do with his child, and you're just like, ah, oh, yes, be happy, please. And it's so terrible because like slightly jumping ahead like the fact that esther decides to stay at all is just like because she's in love with him eventually because esther's ploy Mm -hmm. is always like into dads um that are yeah she's really got to stop that but like this is rude of her because she's going after an emotionally vulnerable dad who's trying to create a bond with her that is clearly not sexual in nature (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah. So that's why she's still um, bad for this movie. Everybody else is worse, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't... <laughs> Except for Alan. Alan is yeah. the one who did no wrong. Um, and, like, this is the first time when I found the detective to be bad at his job. Um, he's trying to, like, subtly take pictures of Esther as she's, like, walking around somewhere with her family. And the first thing Esther does is notice him. And he does everything but wave at her, essentially. And I'm like, <laughs> Detective, if you're trying to be subtle, this is not how you do it. <laughs> I mean, he goes, I feel, I feel like the presence is like, if he was acting suspicious of you, that would be weird. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be normal. So, like, if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't think he was doing anything. He's just kind of like, oh, yeah. hey, what's going on? It's not weird, because if you have nothing to hide. Um, but it's weird also for Mom, because she's got something to hide. Can we talk about this yes. up top, just so that we can like get it out of the way? So, yeah, let's let's drop a little spoiler warning here for anybody who hasn't seen this movie. Right. Because it's hard to talk about the rest of this movie without talking about the elephant in the room. And to be fair, it's not very late in the movie that it is revealed. I think I, I don't really want to justify it, set a precedent for that type of justification. Um, but at least for me, mm-hmm. it's when the movie really kicks off. And yeah, it's like the inciting incident, but the inciting incident is like... Forty minutes into it, yeah, well, yeah, because like it's something I didn't necessarily see coming, but once it it said, it makes a whole lot of sense. Right, that that was a very unexpected unexpected twist, but I don't know. There was just something else to it that felt like right around the time that it hit in, I was like, this movie seems kind of repetitive, and that's okay so mm-hmm. far. That I, I'm liking it for different ways. But uh, I just, I don't know, something's really going to need to grab me for it. Um, and yeah. uh, as Esther decides that the police detective is becoming too much of a problem uh, and goes to kill him, uh, Mom shows up and shoots the detective a bunch of times in the face also. Yeah. Because, as it turns out, um, Esther, the, 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 real the, the Esther. real Esther, has been dead for four years. Because Danny's favorite character, Gunner, murdered her in some creepily vague accident of being too rough with her. I don't want to know yeah, about I don't, it. Yeah, I don't like, I I don't don't like how she described it. that. The point is that Gunner killed I guarantee, her. I guarantee it was something similar to what almost happens to Esther later. That's what it read to me, I think. Okay. Uh, we're going to be vague because I, I don't think... know what you're talking about. <laughs> So, uh, jumping ahead, and we'll jump back here in a second, when Gunner throws Esther down the stairs and says he didn't mean to, oh. that, I think, is exactly what happened with first Esther. She was just smaller and younger, so she was more fragile. Yeah. And that's why he was so comfortable doing it, because he got away with it before, yeah. and he thought that it would just work again. He wasn't dealing with a uh, eight-year-old-sized Michael Myers. Who likes yes. to just disappear when you do this? <laughs> so yeah, uh, American Psycho type ship staying gunner uh, probably threw it on the stairs, but killed his sister. And uh, because Julia Childs, Patricia uh, or Trisha, Julia Styles, Julia Styles is a fucking uh, Cersei Lannister sized Godzilla bitch. 
uh, and wants to <laughs> suck the life out of poor Alan's success because he's from a very rich family. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that came over on the Mayflower, so they were important. Yeah, Albrights and everything. These are the real. This is a real thing she says. Yeah, well, Gunner like, says oh, it too. So you're just horribly entitled. Gunner says it too, where he's like, "This is America. People like me matter." Yep, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" No. That's when I was like, "Okay, Gunner's got to die in like a horrible way." Yeah. So uh, the fact of the matter is that Trisha is helping Gunner. He she helps him cover up the the death. Uh, and orchestrated mm-hmm. this whole grief cycle uh, to manipulate her husband back on track, as she says, uh, back into like doing Ugh. art or whatever the fuck, so that she can s- keep suckling on the teat of his fucking success. Because again, mm-hmm. she's just a Cersei Lannister type bitch who will do whatever it takes for her family, her success, and kind of slop- sloppily, haphazardly fucks everybody else's life up around her for no reason mm-hmm. but well yeah and like i can't get over that her argument for like hiding the death of she was like oh i can't lose both my children i'm like but one of them is actively a murderer whether yeah. it was intentional or not and you're gonna continue to raise him like that was fine that's gonna fuck him up way more than if he would uh i don't know face the consequences for his action like rich white people should have to I think as rich rich people also should have to. Everybody should. Yes. No one is exempt from the law. No one's above the law. Uh, yeah. Should be. Um, yes, but especially right. when they're like, no, nah, man, we matter like more than anybody else. Like People can be expendable mm-hmm. to them. Um, but uh, Trisha didn't know that she could just keep poking and prodding with an uh, unstable mental patient. Because the fact is, the reason that she's not as smart as she thinks she is, is that she keeps deciding for now, Esther, how things are going to be. Like, all right, so mm-hmm. now that I've cleaned this mess up for you, because I've known from the start that you were not who you said you were, um, you're going to play by our rules because I need you to keep manipulating my husband. Which first, ew, that's not all right. Yeah. But Esther yeah. might be, you know, she they're a very rich family. Esther would ever want for anything. Uh, she can be near the husband. Um, it, it's kind of a decent deal for the time being. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Esther doesn't like being told what to do because, like, you can't have two type A personalities out the same bit. Like, two people that are too dominant uh, do not get along well with each other. And you know right away when she's like, your new favorite color is going to be pink. And Esther's favorite color, if you know her, is definitely not pink. It's something a lot more gothy, yep. which is kind of way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and like going back a little bit uh, to talk about Alan and his painting, I really like that the big emphasis in the metaphor with him is all about blacklight painting. Yeah, painting where, the like, there's m- there's yeah, there's things hidden behind layers of other things, which is kind of a metaphor for his entire family that he didn't know about, as well as for Esther. Yeah. <laughs> Metaphors. They Metaphors. permeate this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it, man. Absolutely. Uh also, oh my god. So I don't know if you remember this scene, but there's a scene when Gunner decides to like try to call the shots with Esther and be like, listen. Now that I know what's up with you and you're so fucked up, um, you're going to essentially follow my rules. And then she slaps him like she should. 
And he goes, if you do that again, I'll kill you. So and she, she does it again. again. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, Gunner, do you not understand, like, the situation? You're, you are not the only murderer in this room. Yeah. Like, she's she like, has oh, killed people. She's, she is not afraid of you. She's the living embodiment of that John Mulaney bit of, I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you think you can fucking candle me? I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, Gunner fucks around and finds out real quick what's going on which is odd because uh, i also don't know why esther pushes it in the first place like she shows up to like the house party that he has when the parents step out to the gala and mm-hmm. like calls him out in front of all of his friends which to me i didn't yeah. really see like you don't have to push it he was willing to like let shit go he's like hey man like I killed my sister, like, I'm cool if we just, like, adopt this kid and and there's no problem. But then she starts to, Mm -hmm. like, piss him off, which is, you know, I'm not saying, like, don't piss him off. Essentially just by existing. Well, she she comes out and is like, hey, man, like, let's smoke, like, weed and shit. And he's like, hey, like, don't kill my vibe. And she's like, go fuck yourself. And he's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that, uh, that's where the detective makes his second big mistake of the movie. Which is when he just steals a record from the the house. What? He was continuing an investigation in his defense, okay? <laughs> he wasn't doing yes, a bad but... thing. No, the problem isn't that he took something to continue his That is legally... Uh, the problem okay, is that he... The problem is that he took something that Esther was going to immediately notice was missing. Because it was her one record that she plays. <laughs> Well, yeah, but, I mean, what what did he think she was going to do? Just, the least that it would be was that she was just not the right girl. Like, she, he didn't know that mm-hmm. she was, like, a criminal. Yeah, that's true. But I do yeah. want to note, um, just, like, as that whole investigation is going, it's just kind of wild to see, like, both the cop, mom, and the brother all be like, dude, you clearly do not belong here. Um... Mm-hmm. Like, you just, something is not right, so Esther's just not digging it, because it's hard for her to adjust. But the only person who's glad but she's, she's getting along is Alan. Is, well, yeah, because Alan isn't looking for any, like, problems in the story. He's looking to just have his child yeah, back, he's just and to make up back. for the lost time. Right, right. Ugh. I feel so bad for Alan. But on the flip of it, like, the second time around, especially watching it, knowing it, like, there's so many, like, fake emotions. Like, as soon as Trisha finds out mm-hmm. that, like, Esther's back, she, like, f- d- does not react strong enough for me. Uh, yeah. Because she's like, uh, what? What are you talking about? Like, but she's got to play it off somehow. And I also fucking mm-hmm. love the testing that they do to each other. Like, Mom and Esther are just both aggressively evil women who they're not used to, like, <laughs> disruptions in their life plans. Uh, mm-hmm. And... They're just, like, doing this shit back and forth. Like, Esther puts the rat that she tried to poison her with, like, in her yes. smoothie the next day. And I'm like, this is kind of cute, um, but not really. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 in my notes when uh, the rat poison happened, I was like, oh, so now it's going to be a really intense game of who can kill who first. And we know Esther is going to win because it's a prequel. So we just get to see how it turns out. Like, remember when we watched, uh, I think it was John Wick 2, um, there's that whole bit where he's, like, (laughs) 
him and that other guy are like on like opposite ends of the subway station. They're just like trying to subtly shoot at each other like while they're walking through a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like in the train station, Esther tries to kill uh, Gunner and Trish, and like that guy gets in their way, and they're like, mm-hmm. "No, you can't do that shit. <laughs> That's not flying." Also, I just, I just want to share this with the folks, folks at home who are listening to this. I have a dog, uh, and my dog was watching this movie with me, and she growled at Esther as she was climbing the escalator right before that scene. <laughs> Like, Cadence knew, knew some shit was going down. Damn, that's pretty intense. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Cadence, is, Cadence was right, but, like, damn. Oh, shit. And then... I forgot about right, right before they get into that game of death, um, there is that whole point where Esther is ready to just, like, grift this family. And, like, where she's yeah. already assimilated back. Um, she's hit the fucking jackpot. Uh, she's probably hit the biggest mm-hmm. score of her entire life. Um, and she's in America, like, she's out of Estonia, like, she's free, she can do whatever she wants. Um, but she mm-hmm. decided to stay, and at the time I thought it was for, like, aw, she cares about the dad's mental health. But I'm like, wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that she do- she does care about the dad, just not about his health. Nope, because she wouldn't have fucked up the dress for the gala if she, you know, if she didn't do yep. that. But yeah, I mean, at that yeah. point, um, there's a whole bit... Uh, where there's this fake, like, psychology thing where they're like, oh, we're not sure if, like, Esther's, like, there or not. But as soon as Mom and Esther, like, are on the same page, we're like, okay, now we have to lie to the psychologist, like, the right way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and they they effectively completely trick the psychologist because they're on the same page. They, like, filled in each other. Like, Trisha has taught Esther what she needs to remember. Right. Uh, also, after the train scene, when Trisha and Gunner are like, alright, it's time to fucking end this, um, they're the stupidest motherfuckers, thinking that, because they actively tell Esther that they're gonna kill her, and they're, and I'm just like, do you not think that's gonna cause a fight, like, in public? Oh, man, no. <laughs> well, and, and like... Esther's smart enough to, like, use her surroundings so, like, she takes the pepper spray from Trisha's purse and sprays Gunner in the eyes. Because she's like, that's the brawn. I have to take that out and then I can leave. Right, exactly. Because it'll, sh- it'll slow him down and let her drive away in sunglasses and lighten up a cigarette, which is fucking so <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, and Trisha, as a last-ditch effort after, like, yelling and screaming and running after Esther, when she gets to the car and the car door is locked, she tries to, like pull the fake, like, nice mother shit. And oh Esther's God. like, no, I know that's not who you are. <laughs> like, we are past this. Nah, man, the chips are down. We're all on the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's also, how th- then she Gunner- used their fucking influence because the cops that pull Esther over are in on it. So, like, they automatically use that type of, like, political influence. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then when Esther gets returned... Um, Trisha and Gunner are like, alright, it's time for you to die, and we're gonna make it look like a suicide so it'll look most realistic to Alan. And then, another stupid thing that happens, um, hey Trisha, pro tip, if you're gonna kill somebody, maybe don't let them just spitting in your face stop you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like it was also just the fact she didn't, she literally did not think that Esther would fight back. 
And I don't know why that was the case, because we have actively seen her fight back. Yeah, like, you can't control raw, unbridled personality disorder. Like, they're gonna kill mm. you. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it was all back to her playing all... with fire, though. Like, Patricia didn't need to so clearly antagonize a dangerous mental patient. Um, like, once mm-hmm. she figured out that Esther, like, was into Alan, like, sexually... She, like, walks yeah. in and just casually is like, I'm gonna go upstairs and fuck my husband, because you're never gonna get this. And I'm like, damn, you are Cersei yeah. Lannister. But it's not gonna work, because <laughs> it's just gonna make Esther that much more angry, and it's just gonna make mm. her kill you more. Yeah. Like, you don't have to do well, this. That... Well, yeah, and then Gunner tries to throw Esther down the stairs, which he does, but that it isn't enough to stop her, because she's in full Michael Myers mode. Right. Um... And then Trisha sends Gunner down to finish the job. And he decides at first to, since he grabs his fencing saber, he also puts on his mask at first. Yeah, what a fucking dickhead. Like, do, you, do you think you need the helmet to stab some, Are you that stupid, Gunner? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. He is. <laughs> um, and then... Gunner gets taken out because at first he finds Esther and he's like, hey, listen, we can make this okay. And she's like, are you being real with me? And he's like, no. And then she's like, yeah, I didn't think so. And then shoots him with a crossbow. Yeah, fucking crossbowed, man. And then she and stabs, then stabs him. him a bunch. <laughs> and then Trisha walks in and is like horrified. And I'm like, Trisha, did you not think it was a possibility that like your son could die if you send him up against a dangerous mental patient? No, she didn't, because she's not that smart. Yeah, the hubris on Trisha is just fucking ridiculous. I'm telling you, man, 2007, then, it was season two of Game of Thrones, I'm sure. She, oh, no, it wasn't. It was like, it was four years shy of it. She would have loved fucking watching that show. <laughs> well, and then the fire starts, yeah, but no, and you know we're in our final act. Bro, okay, so... The last struggle is kind of sweet because they make a joke earlier on about, like, the house burning down. They're like, nah, man, I think Esther would do that. And we know that that happens because in the first Orphan, when Mom's going through Esther's files, we learn that, like, the story goes that Esther invaded this family, fell in love with the husband, and, like, set the house on fire and fled and killed, like, everybody Mm -hmm. inside, um, including the husband. So we know that everyone's going to die. And I thought that it was also kind of cool on a second watch through because it was like, he's they're like, oh, you think Gunner would do that? And it's like, well, Gunner would kill his sister, you know, like probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody is fake as fuck here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they chase also, each other onto the roof, which is like pretty classic horror movie fare, but it's always kind of cool when the oh, stakes yeah. are that the house is also on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And like Trisha tries to yell at Esther be yelling at her that, like, she manipulated her family's grief. And I was like, no, you did that, Trisha. Yeah, you, you have did no that. one to blame but yourself <laughs> for this. <laughs> you did Like, this. you actively, you called all of these shots until Esther decided yeah. to say no. She said, you asked me to give a speech. You adopted me. <laughs> you did this, okay? I was just gonna steal from you. Took you took me into your home. You, did, you rubbed my lamp, okay? This is on you, Mom. She doesn't say any of these things. Of course, but... <laughs> well, and at this point... Well, and before Gunner dies, Trisha gets a call from Alan, who's l- essentially left town because he was supposed to go to a, like, painter's meeting. 
And he was like, hey, I got a call from the police, so I'm coming back, because Esther got away. And he's and Trish was like, no, it's fine, she's here. And Alan's like, well, I'm still going to come home and, like, check in on everything. Right, because Alan's so a Trish good was, fucking No, she's man. on a time restraint. Oh. So that's... So Alan shows up and sees the house is on fire, and Trisha and Esther are on the roof. Oh my god. Both bloody, too. It's... It's so nuts that there's, uh, like, Alan gets put into the situation of, like, I'm, no, I'm the real good guy, like, where Esther and Trisha are hanging from the roof, and he's like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, you know, I'm your wife, like, I trust you, you know, like, trust me, she's this grown woman and she's psychotic, and Esther's like, no, I'm, I'm a little girl, I promise, (laughs) like, everyone's lying, (laughs) and I'm like, no, Alan, let them both die, (laughs) save yourself, my dog. Well, and, like, Trisha deserves to die, and she does, because she falls off the roof. Yeah, hits the but fucking Alan curb, didn't des- Alan didn't open. deserve to see that. No. No. <laughs> he didn't. Because he didn't know. Yeah. Well, and then Alan has seen too much when Esther's fake teeth fall out. And so now he's gotta die. Well, no, because she confesses her love first, and then he mm-hmm. rejects her. And she's forced to kill him. Which I'm like, yeah. damn, I can't believe that she's still coming out on the right side of this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, my last note is, uh, Lena maybe needs to stop falling in love with the people who she's pretending to be the daughter of. Yeah, like, date other men, I'm sure you could. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that's hard, though. I, I mean, I'm not saying it would be right in a way, yeah. <laughs> like, the way that she would attract them if she couldn't say that she was an adult, uh, but mm-hmm. still, um... But yeah, and then at the does, end of the yeah, movie... It does give her the, Esther... Uh, Esther gets brought to the orphanage right, and right. waits for a new family. Well, now, and now she's armed with the, like, okay, now you know how to cover your tracks better. Like, she learned from mm-hmm. the best... <laughs> So now she's like actually Well and now nice. she doesn't have to she doesn't have to prove who she is anymore. That's People right. take that at her word. That's right. Because nobody that knew about her is alive anymore, which is all Esther really needs. But now mm-hmm. she starts manipulating families because she's learned how that she can do it better. Yes. So now she becomes a bad guy. Like any good villain origin story prequel. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle. Right. Uh, so oh. she still sucks. Um, Esther is a dangerous mental patient, uh, and she yes. kills people. Um, but in a way, uh, the real bad guy was uh, the rich white people yet again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I uh, went- that's, I'm not minimizing. Not at all. That's not me no, trying to minimize. No I, no, I was trying to think of, like, something to reply, but I was just like, no, he's he's right. Like, that is that is the case of this movie. I don't know. Um, just for me, I, it was... I do also want to share. Yeah. Um, I did see... I found the name for the two body doubles who played um, Esther. Ooh, yes. When uh, Isabel Furman wasn't... Um, so it's Kennedy Irwin and Sadie Lee. Oh, right. Um, who play? Who played the body doubles for uh, Isabel Furman? And Kennedy Irwin um, was the person in the pictures for the 
actual Esther Albright. Oh, interesting. I was wondering whose those were because it it looked still like it could have been Isabel Furman. Like it looks like it could be. Yeah. Her. But yeah. Interesting, man. Wow. I mean, honestly, the fact that this movie exists, like as a sequel. It did what all the sequels need to do. It, it took all the aspects of the original, it dialed those up, it made it more mm-hmm. interesting because it added an extra layer of intrigue. Um, it surprisingly gets you the root for Esther, but uh, yeah. I just was so much more grabbed by the fact that, yeah, because, you know, one day we'll cover The Purge, and I feel like it's now getting to be, at least just for me personally, a little hack to have uh, the bad guys always be rich white people. Um, but this is not mm-hmm. the case in this case, because at least in my opinion, uh, or at least for me, so I can undo this for myself, relating it to Game of Thrones, something I like currently, helps me to go, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is how rich white people, if they're written well, like if they're written to this type of depth and like, like megalomaniacal shitheadedness, uh, like mm-hmm. the, the the team between Gunner and Trisha, it was like nuts. Like you could just get all this shit done if you just like are all on the same page with each other for this like criminal conspiracy. Yeah, that's so yeah. much more compelling, especially when it's like, okay, you're a little girl, you can't pretend to you know be like, oh, these people are bad, because then you'd have to admit that you're not who you say you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I like this movie. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, we're going to be covering a couple more of the uh, recent releases from 2022 this year before we uh, mm-hmm. get to Valentine's Day, because then we have a pretty magnificent series coming your way. <laughs> uh, I'm still a little scared and excited for it, so uh, I hope no, everyone I'm, out there is too. No, Danny, I'm very scared about this. I, I don't know how this is going to go <laughs> at all. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to lose not not that it, not that we would, but I would not want to lose credibility with people that, upon first knowing that we did this, uh, would go what or like ever listen to See, out of con- like if we ever run for Congress, like this is one of those things that like even though it's not a problem, could be like taken to discredit us. <laughs> It's the it's the thing that'll follow us. Yeah, it's it certainly like I would wish it was the Saw series, but I think this might be our legacy. <laughs> Which you know what, it'll be fine because that it'll be a, a kick ass series. I swear to God, it's gonna I, be really. I think good. it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just ordered yeah. the four pack on Amazon the other day, so it should be in Macomb today at some point. So I'm perfect. <laughs> so I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> Follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Uh, do we want to say what we're doing next or at least just so we can talk about it so we can confirm it also on air? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So next week is, I believe, smile smile. Okay. Fucking get ready for this, <laughs> which I'm very excited to talk about. Um, it might be a little bit of a rough episode. Uh, there's a lot of trauma in it, but uh, mm-hmm. I love talking about it. I love talking about that specifically, yeah. and it's like, what a movie to go into with zero expectations. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because I'm sure we'll get into this, but when I saw the trailer, I had very low um, expectations for what it was going to be. 
and then I was very happy with what it ended up being. Yeah, you know what? I think that there's always a, like, a lot of people probably have seen this. Like, I know out of my friend group that was like, yeah, but I just didn't really like the ending. And if so, if you've seen it uh, before, we'll talk about the ending. I feel like there's still a lot of good uh, stuff with it, good cred. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, also, advice for uh, orphanages. Uh, adopt, but, like, um, don't take everyone at their... I don't know. This is a bad one to do advice for. Can I pass? I'm going to pass on this one, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to pass. Well, for all you listeners out there, until next time, you stay spooky out there. Mm